obviously were biased going in. You obviously didn't believe him going in, and nothing he said made you believe him. So I guess the question is, like, why even interview him if you're going to go into it like that? Because you kind of... Um, you kind of, you know, sucker punched him at the end by not giving him the, the information that you accused him of, that you used as proof that he was lying. You waited till four minutes to the end to, to present it. It's like, that made you look really yeah. bad. And he's like, well, we, we argued a little bit back and forth. And then I was like, no, it's like, it's okay to be biased. What did he say? What, what, like he was, he, he, he was claiming that he wasn't biased was well, he no, saying? he was like, I. He's like, no, I'm biased, but like, I, I allowed him to answer the questions, and and I gave him the opportunity to speak. I'm like, yeah, but you you presented data, you presented evidence right at the very end when you knew he had to leave. He told you he had to leave, and you're like, oh, by the way, you're lying because your website. <laughs> and, you're like, and I'm like, okay, so in the future, and I said, and I said, I I'm telling you this as a learning experience about what worked and what didn't work for you, but also for myself as podcasters, because it's like, it's obviously we're going to be biased about stuff. We're, like We're going into this with biases and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think if we're going to go into it totally biased, trying to take someone down, we should at least be honest with them at the beginning and say, this is why I don't believe you, or, or say, I don't believe you and these are the reasons why. So let's talk about that. So at least give him, at least allow him, at least give him the respect to know that you don't believe him and that you're going to go over the points and you're going to allow him to address those points. Because in my mind, it's like, why else would you fucking interview the person then if you don't believe him and you're not going to give him a chance to like really defend wow. himself about the stuff you don't believe him in? Yeah, he he had to, I mean, he had to interview him because he's basically making a documentary about Mt. Gox. But it's his story, really. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and sp- speaking of biases, can I introduce the show? We're Keyword Crypto. Do it, baby. I'm JJ. I'm Michael. And I'm here with Michael. <laughs> and this is a show about biases. No, this is a show where we kind of episodically try to get to the bottom of something related to cryptocurrency. And lately we've been on this kick where we can't seem to find a good reason. We can't seem to find someone to tell us why Bitcoin isn't a plutocracy. And by that we mean we're, we're having trouble seeing Bitcoin as not having a centralized problem around the the miners. Um, the, the, I think there's a lot, I think people, I find that people talk about this problem a lot, but they gloss over it as if it's like, oh yeah, that's that's just one problem with Bitcoin. It's not a big deal. But uh, we can't seem to like get any traction from anyone about this problem. Uh, not Satoshi. That's not his actual handle. That's just what he calls himself. He he replied to me today. He's he follows us and he, he's. Uh, um, he he said he tagged some people. Who are, who are maximalists and he said hey you know maybe these people can can help out because he's like i don't understand i don't i don't i can't answer it um yeah well it's i the just wanted a to- person who honestly said and 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 to be and to be fair to the other people and the trolls who have tried to troll me um <laughs> the I, bots. yeah i adjusted the i adjusted the daily tweet i've been doing 
So it's now a thread and it gives information from Bitcoin.org's own website that shows that unless you're running the Bitcoin Core wallet, which can only be run on a computer and takes you know a couple hundred gigabytes of data to, to download, you're not using a trustless wallet. So it says right. on their own website, if you're using anything but the Bitcoin Core wallet on your computer, you are trusting a third party. It's, of course, it's not a, yeah. It's not a trustless system at that point. Well, there's always going to be, an, there's always going to, everybody's going to have a certain amount of autonomy that they'll give up. But anyway, before we get too deep into it, I just wanted to let new listeners know that one of the reasons that you probably want to subscribe to this podcast is that is that Michael and I are crypto owners. We're fans of crypto, but we're skeptics, and we'll always be asking questions about something that doesn't make sense to us and so in 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 a sea of crypto space crypto twitter crypto youtube you get so many people that are just kind of blindly following the bitcoin blindly following their altcoins and i think it's really important to have a couple voices in there that are saying hold on a minute you're you're putting all your faith into what now like Yeah. yeah yeah okay but like all right so uh, you follow as many day traders as you want, as many uh, you know Antonopolises as you want, as many uh, you know crypto Cobains as you want. But keep in mind that you're going to want some people who you're going to want some Bitcoiners that actually have have something to say about this. And that's why today we wanted to talk about these sort of crypto journalists. We talk a lot about other YouTubers and. And uh, you know personalities on Twitter. We talk about this occasionally because we're in that world. But uh, we've been following uh, the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is an amazing podcast. It's so it's really well done. And and the the recent Mount Gox MT Gox um, series where Peter is interviewing, he's interviewing people who are who were and are associated with Mount Gox now, uh, or or yeah, so. Everyone from Mark Carpellas, who is kind of, you know, the Darth Vader of Mt. Gox, and uh, or the Joker, I don't know. <laughs> and oh. then, as, and then you know, Jed McCaleb, who is uh, who is at at uh, Stellar now, but he is the he is the guy who began it, and just the whole history of Mt. Gox. However, we're talking about how it seems that no matter how impartial you come across in this space. You're always going to have some narrative. You're always going to have some story you're trying to tell, some bias towards something. And we know that Peter considers himself a maximalist. And by Bitcoin maximalist, I mean you believe in Bitcoin, but not altcoins. I, th- I think that Bitcoin Bitcoin maximalists think that all altcoins are scams, right? I mean that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Or, or they just think that they're they're just they're pointless. That that Bitcoin is the one true coin. Yeah, and so I mean, he's a self-proclaimed um, reformed, uh, or, he, or he's recently reformed to become a minimalist, um, yeah, maximalist, a Bitcoin maximalist. He believes in Bitcoin, and yeah. so when when uh, when he interviews people, we know that he already has a bias like that, and and w- we were just pointing out that his his interview of Brock Pierce seemed. <sighs> He went in it's, with an agenda. He went in with an agenda. Yeah, he so but it's not 
if you're listening to him, you it might not be that obvious because Peter's got this calm voice and he sounds and he's very English. He's he's British. <laughs> he sounds very fair. Like Peter, if you're listening, you you sound very fair. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 we can tell that there's something in the back of your mind when 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 one of your uh, when one of your interviewees says, you know, this is this is what I'm putting forth. This is my intent. This is my intention. And, and and to be fair, JJ texted me today. I'm sitting in my car and I get a text from JJ. He's like, holy shit. Did you hear the Brock Pierce <laughs> interview? And I was like, no, it's a, he's like fucking like meltdown, like he's screaming <laughs> and ranting and blah, blah. So I, I went into it. I went into it expecting that to happen. So instead of, instead of waiting for it to happen, I waited for the triggers. I started looking for the triggers that were causing oh, yeah. it ahead of time. So I, I had the ability to do it. And that's kind of why I went at it from the way I went at it today when I was listening to it, um, just because I had that heads up. So when I noticed the triggers and they were consistent, he kept on, like Brock kept on saying, this is what I want. And, 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 and Peter would be like, uh, yeah, I just, just doesn't seem like like you're being honest about what you want. He's like, why, why should I, I trust I you? I don't know how else to say this. This is what I want. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, just to be honest, like I don't really trust you. It doesn't seem like you're you're telling me what you really want. And then <laughs> with four minutes left, six minutes, something like that, Brock, Brock's like, yo, I, I I really gotta go. I can't I can't continue this fucking like cycle of you not listening to what I'm what I'm saying. Peter goes. What about the website? Yeah, it's, <laughs> and then it was, like so that was his gotcha moment about like, see, here's proof that you're lying. And my th- and I and I, you know, me and Peter were talking for a little bit on Twitter, um, and I just said, look, you know, that's fine to go in with an objective, but bring up the website first, so that way we don't waste our time listening to a, an hour long conversation of you saying I don't believe you and him saying the same thing over and over again because literally for 45 minutes that's what it was like nothing really got addressed and the stuff that i really wanted to hear the conversation about was the website it it got glossed over in four minutes because he had to go and like so he never really got into the meat of the actual interview and i just felt like i i it was kind of a waste of my time and i don't always feel that way with peter's interviews so that's the that's the reason i actually felt the need to uh, reach out to him on twitter this time was because First off, he asked. He, he said, "Hey, anybody, anybody listening, reach out. Let me know what you think." Um, but also, it's like I felt like he was he he was he deceived Brock in this interview. He made he he kind of baited him and then accused him of lying. And then when he gets and then when Brock, you know, uh, understandably gets heated about being accused of lying, he's like, "You know, why are you getting so heated?" And the, and then at yeah. the end, he's like, "He got heated, so that's proof that he's lying." And I'm like, "What?" Yeah. Talking about, dude. I'm not. Like, I'm not sure he said that, but he was. He, you know, I. I think that Peter, at the end of the interview, he said, "Like, I really didn't like this interview. I don't think it came out that great. It's. I don't think it. I don't think that Peter felt like, like there was a real resolution from that at all. Oh yeah, I, yeah. And that's I, why. I, and that's why I felt that I, I was like, you know, and I said, and I. You can go on Twitter and you can see. I said, look, you know, this is a learning learning process for everybody. I'm giving you these notes not just for you, but also for me and JJ to learn from. So like when we do interviews, we don't do this where, you know, give the meat at the beginning, allow the person to di- digest a little bit and then have the conversation about that stuff. Don't, don't 
blindsides somebody th- th- four minutes. You know, I don't know, article. but the, that doesn't really seem like Peter's style. Like I, I really feel like Peter is trying to get truth from from these these guests. I I, I it seems odd to me that uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I totally agree that I I mean it doesn't seem like Peter would do that. Like it seems like. Well, I mean, to tr- just, to, but to tr- just just to try to make a fool out of Brock, like that doesn't. I mean, to leave it till the end like that, there's not going to be any resolution. That's why it wouldn't really make sense for me for Peter to do well, that. See, that's why I said it's it. It really came across like you had an agenda and you were trying to tell a story yeah. because you didn't go after Mark, but you really went after Brock. And Mark's the one who actually broke the law and was in jail. And but, Brock's the guy who's like. You know he's a showboater he's an egomaniac he obviously yeah. has he's some easy kind of, he's an easy a, target you know, angel uh, whatever <laughs> like oh yeah this, i'm this saving people down yeah <laughs> puerto rico com- savior complex but he that actually really hasn't bad. done anything illegal and he hasn't done anything in my mind that's even remotely immoral oh, he may have done some things illegal but we don't know <laughs> With, without god <laughs> no no i'm just kidding we, we no, just we a, don't yeah, really know yeah. Yeah, so, that, um, so so my my thing is is like when you're saying, oh, I believe Mark, and Brock's like, um, his company has a request out for all the Bitcoin. Why Why do you believe him? Yeah. Like, it's... And then Peter doesn't address that. I'm like, this just seems kind of fishy. The well, whole interview seems, seemed fishy to me. So uh, I, mean, I know that you haven't listened to some of the other interviews, but I feel like one of the great things, well, when I listen to those interviews, what I hear is not, I don't hear Peter's agenda and I don't even hear the story of Mount Gox. What I get is this kind of like puzzle that comes together of all these fucking weird ass personalities. Like, I mean, because that's really what it is. It seemed like it was this kind of weird passive aggressive thing. Like uh, hearing hearing Jed talk about passing off uh, or, or, you know, handing over the keys of Mount Gox to Mark. And how he knew that it was going to be kind of a problem, and then and then the the interview with Mark was so strange because I feel like Peter didn't even have to go in there with an agenda because Mark just immediately was just kind of deflecting everything. I mean, before before Peter even could ask him a question, I think the first question that Peter asked him was, "How are you doing?" And then and then Mark just was like, "Blah, this is what happened to Mount Gox." <laughs> and then Peter's like, "Well, actually, I just meant like, you know, how how's your day?" <laughs> you <know? laughs> just in general. Just just like, "Are are you enjoying you, your life?" <laughs> did you listen to it or did you watch it because that was a video? I didn't watch it. I listened to it. I should watch it. I actually Mark listened to it a couple like of times. A fucking robot. He well, that's what made so. This is this is my wow. take on it. This is my reaction. You're watching a reaction. You're listening to a reaction of uh, of the Mark Carpellas uh, interview. So, and if you what don't I know, got, Mark Carpellas is the guy who bought Mount Gox from Jed McCaleb, and then kind of ran it into the ground. Yeah, and, and if you don't know stuff happened. If you don't know what Mount Gox is, then uh, Google it. Google it. It's it's kind of like the big history of, of Bitcoin in a way. It's yeah. one of the, the reasons that, yeah. Anyway, so what I got from that is that Mark Carpellas is a guy who, pro- like this is what I made up of him in my head. This is a guy who probably got very self-conscious about the fact that he took on something that was way bigger than he could deal with. And like, he probably, he probably made himself seem like he's more 
competent than he actually was, which a lot of people do. A lot of people yeah. do that and they do that successfully and that, that works well for them. But, um, but, but a guy who basically had things start to collapse around him knew probably knew that he was breaking the law, whether he in intended to do it or not. And he had to keep things quiet. He had to basically lie about things. So this is a guy who has had to lie, who has had to be very careful about what he said. He's had to, he's had to be very careful about who knows what, because he's dealing with security issues as well as things that might put him in prison for a very long time. So this is the, just a guy for the last like four years has been like, basically freaking out in his head about what to tell people that's all he's been doing every yeah. single day that, that he was in solitary confinement i mean he was in solitary confinement basically like he was in detention in a room with no windows where no one could talk to him he's just sitting there going what was do he, i say what do i say what do i say what do i say months what do i say what do i say what do i say as soon as somebody comes to me what am i going to say what am i going to say so if you put him in an interview he's just going to go oh so this is what happened this is what happened this is what happened and like that's just what came out like just he just regurgitated everything that's been in his head now to top it off he's a pretty weird guy when brock was talking about how he was actually a pastry chef and he was more focused on that than running the the biggest Bitcoin exchange in the world. Yeah, he was yeah. like, uh, "I want to make, you know, well, cupcakes." And, and 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 Peter has has very poignantly said, "Hey, you know, back then, Bitcoin was worth like six cents, yeah, <laughs> or, or you know, fifty cents. Like, who the fuck cared back then? Yeah, it's but like now in hindsight, it seems." like epic proportions but back then people were like hey you just had 50 bitcoins stolen you're like yeah who fucking well, cares so here's something i should say to put this in perspective mount gox stands for magic the gathering online exchange so this is like if all of a sudden you're like comic books were worth like a billion dollars and you happen to have a ton of them and you were actually storing them for friends and then they all got stolen and then you got left holding the bag <laughs> it's yeah. like basically like that like nobody really had any idea that this was going to become as big as it was however however and this was the thing that was kind of like eh, i don't know if i like jed mccaleb's story here because he basically handed over he handed over this ticking time bomb of a business that Jed probably knew was not going to go very well. I mean, there was already $50,000 worth of, or there, how much? Yeah, 50000 $50,000 worth of Bitcoin missing, which is not a lot, but that was going to, but if Jed had any idea that that was going to turn into millions, then, I mean, that's that's a big thing to hand off to somebody who may not know what they're doing. Yeah, and that exactly. was pretty irresponsible of him. Uh, a guy who's kind of revered in the crypto community as being you know, the person who, who founded Ripple and, and Stellar. Um, I'm not sure if I got that right. Did he actually yeah. create Ripple? He did. Okay, yeah. so he's, he's responsible for creating Ripple. And then hearing him talk in an interview is kind of like, man, these, these are the founders of our revered cryptocurrency. These are the guys like... They're the reasons that we are here now. Yeah. That's but, pretty crazy. But, you know, to to defend Jeb a little bit, you know, people grow, people evolve. And, you know, 10 years ago or five years ago when he's got his... He, he was like know, 21 Gox. years old. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, so when, you know, so he's he's just like, ah, 
what the fuck? This is like six cents. I don't, what am I doing? I don't want to do this. Get out of that. I've already had, I've already had theft. I don't want to deal with this shit. And then he gets into Ripple and tries to create something. And Brad Garlinghouse is like, we're going to centralize this and rule the world. And he's like, what the fuck? I don't want to do this either. So like he actually went out and created something that he wanted to create, which seems to me, like I'm trying to give him the benefit of what he's just created as the type of person he is, that he wants to decentralize it, he wants to make it a nonprofit, that he wants to not have it be like a corporate thing. So I'm trying to I'm trying to judge him based on that because that's the evolution that's that has led him to where he is now. And so I don't really want to be like the armchair quarterback of no, you, know, you should have done this five years ago when Bitcoin was, you know, worth of course. nothing and no. blah blah. I don't want to judge these guys much at all. I mean, five years ago, man, if you gave me a podcast five years ago, I probably would have fucked it up. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, we're talking about we're talking about something actually very, very complicated that people knew nothing about. These are pioneers, and like, and and, and where did crypto come from? It was like basically it was dark net money. It wasn't like. Yeah. And, to, and to be clear, we've already fucked up this podcast a couple of times and had to start over, so we yeah. shouldn't be talking. Yeah, so yeah. Well, we're, we're <laughs> 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 right. Okay. So yeah. So um anyway, so what one of the things that I the one of the reasons that this talking about this is really important is it puts things in perspective because oftentimes and if you're new to crypto and you're probably going to hear about mount gox you're going to hear it as go go down as something that like happened in the middle ages of bitcoin which it pretty much did however the crazy thing is that yeah this was this was this wasn't like 40 years ago this was five years ago this wasn't like during the great depression this was only a few years ago like we were all around then we were all alive we were all doing something (laughs) Uh, I mean, it feels like it was just so long ago because most of us weren't around then. It feels like a legend yeah. or something. Yeah. Or it feels and, and like I really like what Brock. It's Pierce like said. the genesis. Like yeah. what Brock said in the interview, he's like, "We had this spectacular meltdown that cost pretty much everybody who was involved in Bitcoin some bitcoins because pretty much everybody was using this and everybody had stuff on it." It's the only exchange, yeah. And nothing's changed. That's the scariest thing. And and that's, you know what? And, oh man, you know. I mean, the, the dude, the, what, look, I've got so many issues with the way he presents himself to the world and his egomaniac stuff. But like a lot of the stuff he says is pretty spot on. Well, and you know what? If he's got a crazy ego and he's a megalomaniac or whatever, like, I, I mean, if... You know, you can dig into what is what are his real intentions, what are what are his ulterior motives. But like, if he really just does what he said, like, like when you hear him talk about how he's gonna like bring all of this like greatness, that all bring all of this money and and wealth down to Puerto Rico and save the Puerto Rican people, um, which is not exactly what he said, but it was pretty much kind of sounded like that. Well, yeah, like, when he's he, like he, the angels, the angels are here. Yeah, I know and, you like, hate are that you word. Talking about- fucking angel investors they're not angels yeah. they're fucking but no we call them like, angels they're but, fucking horrible and then corporatists and i think after he said that from people after he said that he was like but it's really going to be the puerto rican people that save puerto rico and it's like he with just sounds like money. <laughs> with my money <laughs> but the thing is is like if he actually does help the puerto rican economy then good for him you know if he does actually uh help the what's his goal not paying taxes Great. <laughs> but you know what? Like, if he helps bring some awareness to what's going on down there after the hurricane, great. 
It's kind of like, okay, good. I mean, if he actually wants to rebrand Mt. Gox as something that's be- different and something that's better, oh, good, good for him. Go for it. Put it, put it in, put in the yeah, bin. Yeah, but he's going to a place that got that way because they don't have a, a tax structure, a tax-based system that allows the government to reinvest in its people and in Michael, in its I think he's I think he's one of the phoniest people. I, I'm I'm ashamed that that he's associated with crypto, to be honest. Brock, if you're listening, I think you're doing great things, but like you're very cringy at times. Just so you know that. Like if you want to tighten that up, that'd be great. <laughs> hey, he follows us now on Twitter. So thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, no. It was, it was bad. I think you have you have so much power. You could do such great things, and I want to see it happen. Because the first tweet, I I defended him, and I and I look at my notification. It's like Brock Pierce now follows you, and, and then my second tweet, I totally lambasted him. And I'm like, I wonder if he's going to keep following me. No, probably not after if, if he listens to this. Um, yeah. So, so, so anyway, um, if. If you're if you're new to crypto or if you got in, you know, when when the last bull run happened in 2017, like you're going to hear about this stuff. You're going to. Uh, oh, and uh, actually, th- to your point, Michael, about how or actually to Brock's point about how all of this happened. This was a great windfall of, of crypto and how it was supposed to teach us about things like not keeping your Bitcoin on exchanges. And that seemed to be such. I mean, there were like a few like golden rules or not golden rules. There are a few like commandments of crypto when I first got in. Like, for instance, when I first bought into Bitcoin and I asked a friend of mine about it, he said, the first thing he said to me was, do you have any of your Bitcoin on exchanges? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And he's like, you should probably get it off. Probably not keep your Bitcoin on exchanges. And that was just that was just pervasive through the crypto space was like, not your keys, not your coins. Don't keep your crypto on exchanges. I remember even hearing like Richard Hart say like, not your keys, not your coins. And then like just a couple months later, he's like, just put all your money on BitMEX and short it when whenever Bitcoin falls. It's like, yeah, I mean, that goes against every rule that most people, you know, put out there. Don't, yeah. don't, don't margin trade. Don't, don't day trade at all, actually. Don't yeah. keep your money on exchanges. Uh, don't ever give your private keys to anyone. And now what? Now it's like, ah, just leave all your money on. Or, or you know, actually, here's a, here is a contradiction that I hear all the time. One is never leave your crypto on an exchange. And then like sometimes in another second, in, another sen- in the same sentence, someone will say, but always use a stop loss. <laughs> it's like you can't use <laughs> you can't. a stop loss if you're not on an exchange. <laughs> so you can't. You can't use a stop loss and keep your Bitcoin on a on a hard wallet. That just doesn't happen. So, basically, that the, my point is is that you're going to hear a lot of contradictions in crypto. It's just going to happen, and I won't actually tell you don't keep your don't keep your crypto on an exchange because I do believe that there's there are there are certain times when having a custodial service for your crypto is might be the best option because some people are not going to be able to keep their crypto safe. It's probably safer with an exchange. Now, I'm not going to say that you should keep your money on an exchange either. In fact, my my financial advice financial advice. My financial advice to you is to not buy crypto at all, probably. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> uh or at least yeah. No, just don't and my my financial advice to everyone is to not spend your money ever on anything. Yeah. <laughs> that that that's the most best way to keep it. 
Um, <laughs> That's the safest way to protect ourselves. But I mean, these like the Mount Gox, you know, is arguably the reason we went through our last our last uh, bear market, our last uh, last two bear markets, last two bear markets. Yeah, I mean, you could look at the chart and you could line it up perfectly with the last two major hacks. What Not- I don't get, and and I guess this is you know this is beyond my knowledge as a, as a lawyer because I'm not one. Um, Mt. Gox owed all these people all these Bitcoins. And I guess the agreement they worked out with Japan is they would sell all the Bitcoin and then pay people back what they were owed at the price of the hack. <laughs> and I'm like, that is fucking genius. Yeah. <laughs> so start a... Start a Start, yeah, start really. a, uh, an exchange now. Get wait hacked. For, hmm. Wait for it. Yeah. Let it get hacked. Keep all the Bitcoin. Sell it off at the high. Pay people back when it was low. And yeah, just keep there all you the go. rest. There's your scam. Of course, but, you got to you you sit caused, in prison for 18 months, though. But yeah, that, that's what caused one of our, one of, you know, and people, people are speculating that's what's caused this bear market to last so long is that they were selling off massive amounts of Bitcoin yeah. throughout the year 2017 through 2018. And that's what kept the, the bear market so prolonged. It's um, a theory. It's a, definitely it's a theory. A theory. It doesn't, I, I mean, doesn't really hold up, but no, it doesn't hold up. And actually, if you, if you, you can make a case that actually those, those previous hacks were not the reason because those, those hacks, I mean, the every single bear market that we've had has followed a major spike. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of of the belief that that the bear markets and the parabolic runs are just a lot of manipulation, and it's yeah. a lot of FOMO. Um, it's all TA. It's all TA that's that are that's done by bots. Yeah, I mean, and it four hundred forty prob- bars. If, it probably yeah, di- I, I, I mentioned Dave or like Dave the Wave or whatever his name is, and he's just like literally going. He's like, okay, at this point in the last bear market, this happened, and literally the next day it goes up. And he's like, at this point, 440 bars is the exact time, this, blah, blah. So in 23 more days, this is going to happen. And it happens. Who is it, this? Uh, things like Dave the Wave or something like that. The He's, way, on, I, he's I on Twitter or something? Or? Yeah, uh, okay. our account follows him. Okay. Um, and he posts and just he just posts these charts over and over and over again. He's like, it's, it's just about to hit the 200-day moving average. And it and the next day it hits it and it bounces up and it rockets up like 12%. Really? And so like, he's literally just like, he's like, I, he goes, this is not, he's acknowledging that it's all based on TA because there's so many bots and manipulation now in the market mm-hmm. that, you know, they, people who are manipulating the market know that if it fell be- below the 200 day moving average, that could trigger something catastrophic. And they don't want to trigger something catastrophic. They just want to shake out the weak hands to buy more cheap Bitcoin. And then they want to pump it up. Yeah. Have people FOMO in, buy high, and then drop it back down and have people sell, you know. You can definitely make a case for it. I think it's actually because it's such a small market, crypto in general. I mean, there's just not enough money in crypto. Yeah, that, it's not that, liquid. That like, yeah, at this, especially in these low points, then then a lot of bots and a lot of algos are going to be buying and selling based on you know fibonacci retracements and moving average and trend lines and all that yeah. but as as soon as like as soon as an irrational amount of money comes in 
it gets pretty crazy pretty quickly. And that's yeah. often what happens with stuff like, you know, we saw ontology pump like crazy and it's like, okay, yeah, well, at a certain point, like all of the emotions take over and then the bots are like, don't know what to do with emotions. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So getting back to uh, these, these journalists of crypto, it's going to be interesting because we, we've seen in the and last... Hold on. So like, who do we consider journalists? Yeah. Only people who have podcasts or people like oh, crypto I'm not. <laughs> I'm I'm not even going there yet. I am I'm, I'm I, I was just about to say that in the last few months we've saw an explosion of like podcasts in general. I I'm always kind of looking for new crypto podcasts and like I I keep on noticing like there one a week uh I notice that are actually pretty good like man uh, who is it? The Crypto Euclid. Man, that guy's hilarious. I don't know if you've seen his show, I but haven't. he's just it's just comedy. It kind of reminds me of like Tim and Eric or something. Is it YouTube like or is for it crypto? iTunes. I, I think he, or, uh, no, I think he, they do both. He, he had, he okay. does a show with his wife. that's all about like, it's like they make fun of numerology and like mysticism and crypto. It's pretty hilarious, okay. but, but he does these like 15 so second longs. <laughs> no, but, well, yeah, they basically make fun of BK. Um, but he also Poor does these BK. fifteen. So he does nice. these. Fi- <laughs> he does these like ten second sketches that are pretty hilarious. But so these are these are kind of coming out of the woodwork. So when you have all these podcasts and when you have all these YouTube channels, it's really really hard to know. Like it's really hard to consider any of them journalists because most of them don't have any journalistic ethics, right? Most of them yeah. don't. At least, the, at least, at least when they do, it's kind of like, man, like who, like what are we like? What, uh, what, what's the guy's name? Um, like Crypto Chico is that the what, what's that guy's name? Like yeah. he actually like stands out yeah. on a street corner with a microphone to like make <laughs> yeah. him look like he has credibility. I yeah. mean, fuck that guy. Like, I mean, <laughs> these are the people who are like during the next bull run are gonna have everybody paying attention to them because yeah. they actually look like. But then, like, he has like a. I think I saw that that same guy has a show. It's like, it's like crypto and beer or something like that, where he like just sits around with a beer and talks about crypto, which I think is kind of amazing. I think it's cool that those exist. But then you've got like all all of these other people that we, we're not supposed to. How are we supposed to know if they're actually journalists? If they're actually looking for the truth? They're, when they're, people, they're not. I mean, if they if they were looking for the truth. I don't know. That's not true because because you and I look for the truth. I feel like and and we're. And I mean, we're, yeah, we're it's really to be tough. As honest as we and ethical as we possibly can be, and we and we try to and I, I try to preface everything. Oh, uh, I bought Nano, so from now on, if I if I mention Nano, know that I own some Nano, and I'll tell you when I sell it. So just don't mention Nano. <laughs> I love Nano. I just wish they weren't fucking so. You should never. Made you it. should never actually buy any crypto that you like because then yeah, when you have exactly. to sell it, it really sucks. So exactly. only buy Bitcoin Cash. That's the only one that you should actually buy. <laughs> and just swing trade it. Be a day trader yeah. and lose all your money. Just on, just buy. Just suck it up. Bitcoin Cash. Just buy a bunch of Satoshi Vision. Just suck it. Suck it up. He's and buy kidding. Some. He's kidding. Not financial advice. And then when you sell it, you're just like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Get that euphoric high every time. So yeah. So you were saying about nano, something about 
Oh yeah. No, I just, okay. I just, because in the past I've always like shielded and like I don't know any nano, but well, I actually bought nano, so the, I wanted to be upfront. So about about journalists. Okay, so we're not journalists. You know, no. we we are just two guys that like talking about crypto. However, um, we do think, but I still think because there there are people listening to this. I think is anyone there? Hello. Yes. Uh, there are people listening to this, so I feel like I have a responsibility not to say things that are too erroneous, not to like. Not to like spew erroneous at all. I don't want to be erroneous at all in my real in right uh, like right. And we 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 are also like like Michael says he owns some nano. So we want to be careful to shill things. We don't want people to we don't want people to accuse us of being shills. That's kind of a shitty thing. Um, and so we don't want to talk about that. And when we do talk about things, we want there to be validity to it, and we want. We want people to listen to us because we might have something to share that could help them. Like that's that's what I want to do this for. So, like in that respect, we are journalists in a way. Yeah, we, we're asking tough questions that people don't. Here's the thing. So JJ was like, no one's no one's really responded to our date to to my daily post of is Bitcoin a plutocracy, and no one is going to. And that's kind of the point is that it's such a walled garden. That the community, the, the the crypto space has gotten all, and you see it. It's just like it's iOS versus Android. It's Toyota versus Nissan. It's it's like it's people are 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 treating it like they're sports teams, and people need to stop doing well, that because you got to ask yourself the tough questions. You're like, yes, Bitcoin's a plutocracy because ninety nine percent of the people, it's not decentralized for them. And so, like, when one percent of people are are controlling how it works, it's a plutocracy. That's fine, but like, then that's know, that's one of the reasons I think that we are journalists is because we're not going to stop asking those tough questions. I mean, we yeah. we really love crypto. We love what it represents and what it could potentially do to the entire world. But that doesn't mean that we're not gonna we're not gonna question it. We're gonna blindly follow it. We need to ask that question and, and we need to continue asking it every day. And if no one is gonna answer it, well then fuck, at least someone needs to ask the question. And if that's yeah. gotta be us, then that's great. Then like, we're and, gonna ask that. And we're gonna blindly FOMO into shit coins like the rest of you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and lose our money on day trades because we're fucking dumb. That's okay. That's how you know that we're one of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we make some mistakes. Because here's the thing. So, like, to go back to Nano, it's true. It's like I I make the mistake of like I have I I bought in because it's like God, I love the technology, and then I'm thinking to myself, why am I doing this? Is so fucking dumb. Because if you know anything about Nano, there's like two developers. Mm -hmm. So one time I was in a in a Discord chat group with with one of the guys, and this is back when they only had mainly just Colin, the main developer. And he's like, yeah, if Colin got hit by a car, Nano would just stop working because no yeah. one knows no one knows how to do it except for him. And I was like, wow, that fuck, dude. Because, you yeah, know, totally. it's kind of like the reason that IOTA never worked is because it, they just couldn't make it work. But like Colin figured out how to make it work, but no one else can. Well, And so like that's what worries me about it. But I love, I, you know, I, I try to be supportive of stuff that I actually... Like I try to be supportive of Stellar because I like that he, he wants to make it a nonprofit, even though it's not a nonprofit yet. But like, you know, don't necessarily invest money in that because that's not necessarily. Yeah, you want to support good, things. Smart long-term investments. So here's some here's some crypto advice. 
Is JJ's crypto advice corner here? If you're new, not or if you're not new, advice. It's not financial advice. It has to do with financial stuff, but it's not financial advice. Um, I should actually, I should put this into like some sort of blog. But here, here's what I would say: is so you can get into crypto for the technology, right? I'm in it for the tech, or you can get into it because you want to make some money. I think a lot of people get into it to make some money and they feel kind of guilty doing that. And they think, ah, but you know, the technology is so cool. I could make technology the thing that I love and it would justify me spending all my money on shit coins, <laughs> right? Uh, if I just spend enough time studying all the shit coins, then it will justify me spending all my money on shit coins. So this thing happens where you get really confused in your head and you start thinking like, oh my God, I love all this technology. And you, well, what happens is you start to realize how powerful crypto is and you start to realize all of the wonderful use cases and how it could change things and how it could change the status quo. But deep down, you really want to see your wealth increase. And that is the first reason that you got into crypto. So you have a dilemma on your hands. Yep. And here is what I would say, and this is where it's not financial advice, but it would have really helped me when I got into crypto. And that is if you when you want to buy some crypto, think about it this way. If you want, if you're in it for the money, and 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 you can admit that to yourself. That's that's okay. That's perfectly okay. Like that's awesome. But stay in it for the money and be in it for the money and know you're doing that. And, and, and if you feel guilty about that, then don't invest money. And if you, and if you th decide that you like the technology, you don't need to be invested in it. You don't, need to have, you don't need to have skin in the game in order to support Nano. You don't need to have skin in the game in order to support Stellar or any of these things. Because you can do all of that research and you can, do, you can spend all your time learning about it and you can let everyone know about it and you can ask all the tough questions and all of that. But you don't have to spend all of your money and then be all stressed out about it and and or be, spend five dollars and put it in there and just be an advocate for it i would say even be careful doing that because like i mean well there's nothing wrong with five dollars but you got to be able to know when to say say you know when basically and and i feel like i mean i $6 feel like dollars too much six dollars uh, is way too much if you $5 want dollars is okay if you want to support crypto start a podcast about crypto don't spend ten thousand dollars <laughs> on crypto you know it's like i mean that's that's my advice that's jj's advice corner on keyword crypto <laughs> <laughs> i mean am i crazy for saying that i don't know no okay oh hey so i think that's a great place to end if you liked the show oh first off we had a different intro song on this episode. It's a buddy of mine's band from New York. They uh, were around in the early aughts, and uh, they just got back on Spotify, and they're getting some buzz again. They're called The Vela Set. Uh, we're going we're gonna to finish off the pod with the full song, so you can listen to it if you like it. They're on Spotify again. It's The Vela Set. Um, but if you like us, subscribe. Hit the hit the thumbs up, review us, rate us, help us out. You know, say hi to us on Twitter, say hi to us on Facebook. Uh, we do take donations because this does cost a little bit of money, not a lot. So if you want to throw a couple satoshis our way, we got a tip in dot me thing on Twitter. Um, we got a Patreon account. We got a Coinbase uh, donation center uh, to cover the five dollars that we put into Nano. <laughs> 
Just kidding. <laughs> we won't use it for that. Um, <laughs> but for the people who have been sticking around, we appreciate uh, your support and we appreciate the questions. And uh, let us know if you want us to talk about anything specific. If you're, you know, because I was talking with uh, um, Jackson Palmer and he was like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about that, but I'm really glad you do. He goes, because I just hate having to like fight with people on Twitter. And oh, I man, love his seeing job. you fight with people. That's the and thing. I, and I get it because like some people are just tired. Like he works all day long and then he tries to do, does these educational videos and, you know, he's got gripes and questions just like all of us. And some of us just don't, some people just don't feel comfortable like talking shit and pulling yeah, totally. the tail of, if of you, Bitcoin. If you have a show, if you have an audience and you're afraid of saying something because, uh, uh, you have to deal with that audience, then hit us up. Come on our show. You'll yeah. have a different audience and a, a prob- exactly. much smaller audience. <laughs> get us while get us while we're small. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because when yeah. we're huge, we're not going to have time for people like you. Like, you're like no, small, no, we'll have time, people. but our audience is just going <laughs> to shit all over you. So yeah, exactly. Uh. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Yeah.